And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to Echoes of Calvary, brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. Today, Pastor Elliot concludes his teaching of Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. Adam is our federal head to sin, but Christ is our federal head to righteousness. There is fairness and logic in these imputations, and also justification because of Christ's consistency with God's character. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. One of the things I appreciate about the Bahamas is the British heritage that is in this country. As a Canadian, I became acquainted with the British heritage as found in Canada. And we know, don't we, that the Governor General, Dame Marguerite Pendling, represents the queen in the Bahamas. She is the federal head of the queen in the Bahamas. She represents the queen. But she also is a head of the Bahamian citizens insofar as if there are matters that the queen should know about and speak to, the governor general goes to have an audience with Queen Elizabeth II, and brings those concerns to the queen. Adam is our federal head insofar as the transmission of sin to all people. Therefore, when Adam, our federal head, sinned, all of us fell into sinning too. Is this logical? Is this fair? Well, let me ask you something. Where were you 10 months before you were born? Where were you 50 years before you were born? Where were you 1,000 years before you were born? Where were you 6,000 years before you were born? You were in Adam. We all were in Adam. Before any of us was conceived, we were in Adam by birth. And so Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and is No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We are now in Christ, not in Adam. So whatever happened to Jesus Christ happened to us when we were placed into Christ. Christ was crucified. We were co-crucified with Christ. Christ was buried. The old you was buried with Christ. Christ was resurrected to newness of life. You've been resurrected to newness of life if you're in Christ. Colossians 3.3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see what's happening here? Adam used to be your federal head, but if you're born again, your new federal head is Christ. Praise God. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. You don't have the sun this morning. You don't have eternal life. But you could have it if you believe on him. He who has the sun has the life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. One more passage, Titus 3, 3 to 7. We're seeing that Adam 
is the federal head of a humanity of sinners. Christ is the federal head of righteousness for a company of believers in him for salvation. Titus 3, 3 to 7. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But, one of the best words of scripture, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the watching of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Adam was our federal head in sin. Christ is our federal head in redemption. We got our sin problem through Adam, we get our righteousness solution in Christ. And how do we get to be in Christ by rebirth? Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus. So it is fair. The imputation of sin from Adam is fair. The imputation of sin through Adam is logical. Adam, again, is our federal head when it comes to sin, and Christ can become our federal head when it comes to imputed righteousness. Justification is consistent. So let's look at this a little more closely by considering the Adam and Christ contrast in your table or chart and your outlines, okay? Look at the center column. His deed. Well, Adam's deed was disobedience. But Christ's deed was obedience. Center column, his deed affected. Adam's deed affected all, while Christ's deed affected many. He introduced, well, Adam introduced sin and death, while Christ introduced grace and eternal life. His deed resulted in, Adam's deed resulted in judgment and condemnation and a reign of death, making us subjects to death. Well, Christ's deed resulted in forgiveness and justification and a reign of life, making us co-rulers in life. Our federal head by? Adam is our federal head by birth. If you're born, and every one of us was born, Adam became our federal head. Christ is our federal head through rebirth. If you have been born again, Jesus Christ is now your federal head of righteousness. What a chapter. Justification's blessings in the first 11 verses, those blessings are peace with God, the hope of grace, and praise for God. Today, verses 12 to 21, justification's consistency. Adam, federal head of sin. Christ, federal head of imputed righteousness. And so I ask you a simple question with far-reaching implication. Are you justified? Are you justified? If you have to say no, then you need to be saved. And not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. You might not have any of those things. You need to be saved this morning. And here's how a person is saved. 
They tell God from the heart that they have blown it and sinned. They tell God that they can't make themselves right with God. They tell God that they believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of their sins. They tell God that they believe the scriptures that say Jesus Christ lived again after dying. And they tell God they want to turn from sin and entrust in Christ alone be saved. Make that your prayer if you've never done it before. Move out from Adam being your federal head to Christ being your federal head. You say, Pastor, you're asking me the question, am I justified? And you just explained to people who may be here who had to answer no. What about me? I know I'm justified. What difference should all this make to me? I know I'm justified by Christ. Well, here's the difference that ought to make. If the person without it answers be saved, the justified person, the answer for you is be true. Be true to your new federal head. Be true to Christ. Be true to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Live a thank you kind of life back to him. This is not a true story, but I want you to imagine that you live in a very, very remote village in a jungle somewhere. Very uncivilized, never seen the outside world. Imagine you live in that village. And imagine that the practice of that village is to eat certain foods that are terrible for the tribe's people's health. Foods that raise cholesterol, foods that cause high blood pressure, foods that cause heart disease and strokes. And you've lived all your life in this village. And you've seen person after person after person have strokes and die of heart attacks. It's common. And then a missionary medical doctor comes to your remote village. And he starts teaching the tribe's people in that village about proper diet and the things that are good to eat and the things that are not good to eat. And then the doctor sees the heart disease and the prevalence of heart attack, and he has to do all kinds of heart surgeries. And he saves people's lives. And then he comes to understand that he can only be in that village for one month. And then he has to go. And I want you to imagine that he takes you aside when he knows he has one month and he starts teaching you about anesthetic, about scalpels, about cleanliness in surgeries, about the anatomy of the heart and arteries. And in those few weeks, he pours his medical expertise and training into you. What do you do with that after he leaves? He is imputed to you as much as he could to meet the needs of your people in that village. He has credited your thinking and your skill set with even how to do a heart surgery. What do you do when he leaves? You care for the people in your tribe to the best of your ability. You remember what the surgeon told you, and you use it every day. You train your tribesmen not to eat the bad food, and you 
check their blood pressure often and you listen to their symptoms of a heart attack before it happens and you cut them open when they need to be cut open and you save their lives. You live out what's been imputed to you by the doctor. Church, we have been imputed with Christ's righteousness. It's not theory. We walk through these doors to live righteously. We would be just as blasphemous as the tribesmen who learned to do heart surgery who said, well, I won't do it. It's a little, little much work. We would be blasphemous to God if we've been given all of Christ's righteousness, and we have, and we don't live righteously in our marriages, and we don't live righteously in our workplaces, and we don't live righteously in our neighborhoods, and we don't live righteously on our vacations off the island. We would be just as blasphemous as the man who was trained by the doctor, and he wouldn't do the medicine. Oh, may this be a call. Far beyond intricate, complicated theological teaching, but may we put into our lives, into our purses if we're ladies, into our wallets if we're men, may we take away from this sermon that we have been given Christ's righteousness. It's time to live righteously. I'll leave that with you and the Lord because he's the best one to remind you and to give you the determination to live righteously. Lord, we thank and praise you for justification's consistency, how grateful we are that although undeserving, you have given us Jesus Christ as our federal head. Oh, Lord, may we live righteously because we've been made righteous in him. Bless my friends. Bless the incredible body of Christ to the end that we would live righteously until we see Jesus face to face. And we pray together and God's people said, amen. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas Rogers, and I serve here as a youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to close our series on what it means to be an influencer. And we talked about last week how Paul said that we have a message. We have the message and God's called us to give this message each one of us. And as we think in the Great Commission, he's called us to and you know, we don't want to leave it there because we have to understand something too. As we give the message, it's God's job to to do the increase. It's God's job, the Holy Spirit, to work in that person's life. Um, I remember as a, a Christian, uh, a teenager, um, going on a mission trip and sharing the good news of Christ and, and people not accepting it. And I thought I was a failure. I thought that I did something wrong. I thought that, well, I'm a terrible messenger. But the reality is, is that God has just called us to tell the message and he's going to do the work. And we see that in Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4, and it says, And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed his seed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it. 
and some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. It continues in verse 9, it says, Then when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said to you, It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path of those who have heard it, then the devil comes and takes it away and the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones who are on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while and time of testing fall away. And as for all the fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of the life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. You see, when we hear this, we have to understand again that we are the messenger, but we cannot change anyone's life. We never know the outcome of sharing our message of good news is going to be, but that's okay. Whenever there's an opportunity to share wisdom, influence someone for good, or to share the message of our life, then we should take it. You see, influencers know the power of a good story. But the best influencers know the most compelling stories are about something bigger than themselves. And if you want to be an influencer, you tell God's story, not your own. It's great to give your testimony, but what you need to understand is we have to go to the message. And that is the gospel. The gospel is the strongest message that we have. So when we consider this and we consider the message, we can look at our lives and we can talk about how we have grown. And, and I want you to, to think as we, as we close this series, I want you to, to ask yourself and look at certain things of your life and ask yourself, are you an influencer? Are you an influencer? You see, we, we talked about how we need to understand that we need to know our story. We need to know how our testimony, where we, were, where we came from, and where we are going. But we need to ask ourselves, what type of influence are we making? You see, we need to, as we, as we close this series, we need to look at some of those big things. And we need to ask ourselves these questions. Are we humble and not arrogant? Do we chase what's good and not evil? Do we live small and dream big? Do we tell God's story and not just our own? You see, yes, we need to know our testimony. We need to know who we were before we know Christ and, you know, what we, have, what we were and what we are now. But I ask you this question as we, as, we, as we close this series. You know, we've been talking about how we can be an influencer. But I want to ask you this question. How has God influenced your life? Is God number one? Is God the, the purpose of you going on every day? Is he your hope? Is he your everything? Is he why you do what you do? You see, we need to understand that as we think of influencer, if God is influencing our lives, then that's what people are going to see in our as we go throughout our daily lives. So I ask you, where does God fit in the scheme of your life? Again, I mean, we so many times we have time for all the things that we want to have time for. And we give God the leftovers. We give him what's left. 
instead of giving him what's first. Letting him have the greatest impact in our lives. Letting him be seen in everything we do. Letting him not just be the center of our lives, but let him be everything of our lives. So I challenge you. First of all, let God influence your life. And as you influence others, let that be what they see. That they see the love of Christ in you. And I would challenge each one of us that we would be an influencer for God and that we would change this nation because that's what we need. We need a life change. And the only way we're going to change this nation is if we as Christians take a stand and influence the world by the truth of God's word and the God's story. Again, don't let it be our words, but let it be his. This is Pastor Nicholas, and this has been an edition of Utah. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. The question is, what is the difference between the terms chose, that is elected, and predestined? The biblical truth of divine election is expressed by Paul in the words of verse 4, quote, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, end quote. The Greek word translated chose means picked out or selected. Used here in the middle voice, the word means to choose someone for oneself. Election may be defined as God's act of choosing those who, through personal faith, will be saved and will become members of the body of Christ. The word translated predestined means marked out by boundaries beforehand. Used in verse 5, the word places special emphasis on God's will and his active involvement in the life and destiny of the believer. God has determined beforehand that those who believe in Christ will be adopted into his spiritual family and conformed to the image of his son. See Romans 8 verses 29 to 30. The doctrine of election teaches that believers are chosen to become God's children through faith in Christ. God's choosing never cancels out or eliminates the necessity of personal faith. Those who are chosen are also predestined. God has marked out the boundaries of their lives from beginning to end. While there is freedom of movement within those boundaries, the destiny that God has purposed will be accomplished. 
The doctrines of election and predestination are among the more mysterious workings in God's economy. We don't understand them completely, yet they are biblical teachings and we must embrace them by faith. We want to conclude this Echoes of Calvary broadcast with a Puritan prayer. The Puritan prayer God enjoyed. Thou, incomprehensible but prayer-hearing God, known but beyond knowledge, revealed but unrevealed, my wants and welfare draw me to thee, for thou hast never said, Seek ye me in vain. To thee I come in my difficulties, necessities, distresses. Possess me with thyself, with a spirit of grace and supplication, with a prayerful attitude of mind, with access into warmth of fellowship, so that in the ordinary concerns of life, my thoughts and desires may rise to thee, and in habitual devotion, I may find a resource that will soothe my sorrows, sanctify my successes, and qualify me in all ways for dealings with my fellow men. I bless thee that thou hast made me capable of knowing thee, the author of all being, of resembling thee, the perfection of all excellency, of enjoying thee, the source of all happiness. O God, Attend me in every part of my arduous and trying pilgrimage. I need the same counsel, defense, comfort I found at my beginning. Let my religion be more obvious to my conscience, more perceptible to those around. While Jesus is representing me in heaven, may I reflect him on earth. While he pleads my cause, may I show forth his praise. Continue the gentleness of thy goodness toward me, and whether I wake or sleep, let thy presence go with me, thy blessing attend me. Thou hast led me on, and I have found thy promises true. I have been sorrowful, but thou hast been my help, fearful, but thou hast delivered me, despairing, but thou hast lifted me up. Thy vows are ever upon me, and I praise thee. Oh God. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas And remember, everyone needs a Savior.